church in Huron. And uh, he was raised here. Uh, yesterday, we did a memorial service for his mom, Tilly. And I shared with you last week, uh, you're in this room today because of people like Ivan and Tilly Walls. And you're standing on the foundation's not the foundation, that was Jesus Christ, but you're standing on the layers that they built and uh, established. And I had the, the privilege of pastoring them uh, for 15 years before they moved out east to be with their daughter Lorna uh, in the waning years of their lives. And uh, you can see the values of Ivan and Tilly in Brad and in Lorna. Um, you can see the other characteristics in there too, but um, <laughs> I love I loved hearing them talk yesterday at the service and just inter- interacting with them through the years. Um, a few years ago, Brad was with us for a lunch down at the the new building that we have downtown, and uh, I'm always a little nervous when. Uh, people that have been attached to the church come and find out we sold the building and we're moving and we have this new vision and um, it's really not developed yet, but we think it's going to get developed and, you know, I'm, uh, how, what do you say when you're still in the, the middle of it? And so I'm always a little anxious, you know, like what are people going to think? Are they going to think I'm crazy? Or are they just going to, you know, give me the silent treatment? Um, and after everyone left the lunch that day, Brad sat in my office with me and we just chatted and we talked about the vision. Um, And he stood up and he walked around my office. He said, man, this is a great place to just pray over your city. And he just did. So he just started praying over our city and all that God had. And he prayed our vision that God had given us and he he blessed it. Now, he didn't say, Pastor Tom, I am so glad you sold that building. I am so, man, the memory, like, he didn't say any of that. But he caught the vision that God had put in our hearts for the future and when we planned this memorial service, he sent me an email to set up uh, the, this service and some of the information for it. And he asked about it. He said, hey, have you found a building downtown yet? I said, no, we're, st- we're still looking. We still believe this is what God has. And he's like, I'm, I'm still praying. It's like he's still with us. And so this morning, he was telling me about walking downtown last night. I just love this guy. Um, He has caught our vision better than I think maybe I have, or maybe better than some of us have. And uh, he's like, man, when, I loved this line, when you dedicate a new building down there, if you'll invite me, I'll come. And I'll just tell you, you're coming. (laughs) Because one of the things um, I loved about your parents is they didn't hold grudges with me. If they disagreed with something I was saying or doing, I heard about it. Like they came, they sat down, and we, we talked about it. There was, and it was respectful. It wasn't, um, it wasn't mean-spirited. It was very respectful. But at the end of the conversation, they said, but wherever you go, Pastor, we're with you. Wherever you go, we're with you. And uh, just, I see that in you two so much, and uh, I just love it. But... Brad is going to be sharing this morning. Uh, he, as I said, he was raised here. He served for 27 years as the the leader of the Argentinian missions department in Argentina. And during that time, they really have become the largest missions organization in the Latin American area. And they're sending out missionaries all over the world. And currently... He serves as the president of the Latin American Missions Network. He started that back in 1998. And then in 2009, he became the chairman of the Assemblies of God World Fellowship of Missions and I Commission. 
the World Missions Commission. I couldn't even read my own handwriting. But he has traveled all around the world, a hundred different countries around the world. Currently, they reside in Nashville. But God has sent him from Huron, South Dakota, literally around the world. And the word of God is being spread in nations all around this globe because of the work that he and Rhonda have been a part of. And here's the thing. Because you are a part of Restoration Church, you're a part of that. And every seed that gets sown, every seed that gets watered, everything that begins to grow, every month when we pray and every month when we give, this is what we're giving to. And I am excited to have him come and share today and to share what God's put on his heart for our body and for missions. And so I want you to make him feel welcome as he comes to the platform this morning. You, you got to see him all the way through. Come on. Thanks, Pastor Tom. Honored to be here. And I look forward to coming back in that, de- in that dedication when that takes place. So um, the uh, couple announcements before I forget. We have prayer cards out on the table out there. So if you want to grab a prayer card. And my wife doesn't always get to be with me, but she's here today. So wherever she's at. Raise your hand, yeah. So it's great to have Rhonda with. And uh, the, um, uh, your church supported us for 37 years. So that's kind of scary to me. 37 years is a long time. But so thank you for being faithful for 37 years. And uh, boy, so you got, say, how come you've been in so many countries? There have been 120 countries. We're going to take a vacation in three weeks. It'll be number 121. But we're not going to preach here. We're just going to take a vacation. But um, so kind of... I, I, and I forgot, I usually tell, so before I preach, I'm going to give you five minutes to kind of explain what we do, how we do it, why we do it. So I usually have three hats, and I forgot them. So I just, I just forgot them. So I just have one hat, and you're going to pretend they're three different hats. So because um, so, this helped people understand, because for a while I was wearing three hats, and people understand that, and you know, South Dakotans understand that. You have different hat for different occasion. But so we went to our, so I, you know, Great, great missions church grew up in, and the, the pastor would always kind of say, God has raised up America to win the world type thing and motivate us. So I look back, and that kind of that paradigm was God's raised up America to win the world is kind of our paradigm we had in our country. And it's not really a, a, a biblical paradigm. Why I was understand what we're trying to say. We're trying to say we need to do our job because the world depends on us. That's what we're trying to say, and that's true. And if you look back on 100 years of missions, Western missions, between America and Canada and, and other countries in Europe, if you, America was a bigger, bigger country. So they had a bigger imprint. They had a bigger footprint in the world. And if you took away 100 years of American missions and Canadian missions and UK and Switzerland and Sweden and Finland, you'd have this big black spiritual hole in the world. So God definitely used our countries to impact the world. But the but the Great Commission wasn't given to America. It was given to the church. So, so we were doing missions because we're the church and not because we're Americans. So sometimes we forget that. And we think, well, we're, we're rich, and, 
powerful country, so we do missions because we're rich and powerful. No, no, no. We do missions because we're the church. So we went to Argentina to, to challenge them because then they got a mentality, well, America does missions and we reach our country. And, and that's, again, not a biblical because it, the Bible said go into all the world. And it didn't say go into all the world when you have lots of money. So we have some really poor countries around the world, but they have a million believers. And so 10 cents a person would be a million dollars. They can do a lot of, they can do a lot of things with a million dollars. So we went to challenge him with that paradigm. And I always, so our first hat, you know, so we went to Argentina and this is our missions department when we started. And then they, they grew to over 200 missionaries being over, sent to over 50 nations. So kind of that, that change was the Lord helped us to, to see that paradigm change, that paradigm shift. And so my, my first hat, and I'll just kind of divide it up by decades. We, we work, this hat represents Argentina, one country we worked there for 27 years, but for, for 10 years, we were just focused on them. And so then we had another hat in late 90s, the superintendents of, of Latin America said, hey, if Argentina can do it, maybe we could do it, can you help us do it? So we, we had a new hat, and just pretend this is a different one. And so we, we, we helped them, and we're still doing this one, and we're actually transitioning. We're actually preparing a leader to take our place on this one. But this hat represents 20 Latin countries. So the first hat represents one, and the second one, 20 countries. And this was a, the hat we focused on in the second decade. And even though we're still in Argentina, but we're, we're helping the other 20 countries. And then the, the third hat, and we have, I have this really cool hat that has the world map on it that Rhonda found me on, on Amazon, but uh, anyway, so the third hat was they said, can you help us on a world level? And this hat represents 105 countries. So we have 105 countries that are doing missions at some stage. And so, so we gave up the first hat two years ago in Argentina, and now we have two hats, but we're focused mostly on the world one. And uh, so that's kind of, and probably about 25% on Latin America and 75% in the world. So God has given Latin America an incredible grace as, as she's been doing this now for, 20, for, for 25, 30 years. So the, God has given them, a, we're in our second generation of missionaries in Latin America. We got missionary kids going out. So, I mean, that's incredible. So as Africa is taking their first steps, they're kind of, you know, 25 years behind, we're saying, God, we don't want them to take 25 years to catch up. Help us to have some spiritual steroids and, and help them to grow quicker and not to take 25 years. And so we're seeing other parts of the world uh, uh, wake up and realize God's calling us as well, too. So that is exciting. And that's kind of what we're, you know, we worked with one country for a decade, and then we worked with 20 countries for a decade, and now we're working with 105 countries for for 15 years, and uh, so that's kind of where we're, why we've been traveling a lot around the world, and it's kind of unusual, but it's a very fulfilling thing. And just last week, we finished an event. It's a long story. I don't want to bore you. Why we were in Minnesota, it's a long story why we were in Minnesota. But we had 71 countries there. It's a very historical event, very prophetic event, and just an amazing event. And just to see God work and, and the nation say, we want to go out and, and reach the 50% of the world that still don't have the gospel. And uh, so somebody says, it's like, well, God is passing on a baton to, to these countries. I don't like that illustration. I, I was in a conference back in April, and they were saying, oh, God is passing on. And I said, I don't like that because a, but passing on the baton means that one is done, and you're giving it to the other. 
They said, no, but we run together for a while. Yeah, but you eventually stop running because the other one takes. So I said, I like better the Matthew 20 illustration of the parable 11th hour harvest. And I'm not going to preach from there, but just in two minutes, and then we'll go start with the message. Um, the parable of the, of the 11th hour harvest, that the harvester has these people in the harvest, and they've been working all day. So that'd be America and Sweden and Finland, and they're getting a little tired. They've been working all day, but God comes over here, and, and Guatemala's sitting around, and, 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 and Nigeria's sitting there, and, there's, and he says, how come you're still here? Well, no one's hired us yet. Uh, well, come on, we need come and help and join us in the harvest. Okay, and the point of that parable is, uh, is that everybody gets the same reward eventually. But I also look at it that the one group, they don't quit working, and God is also raising up a new generation, so I'm not saying that they're tired, but in that parable, they've been working all day long in the heat of the day, and you have these new harvesters coming in, not to take the place of the first ones. I say God's not a God of subtraction, but multiplication addition. So to, to raise up new people to come along because we can't win the, the, the last day harvest is too big for one country to, to win on their own. So that's kind of what we do. How I, for, forgive me for forgetting my hats, because with the hats you can understand a little better because they're three different hats it's just one hat but anyway so uh, we're going to read from John 3 16 today and so I know you've read this verse your whole life but we want to look at it not from a salvation perspective but from a missionary perspective so this verse is so simple well first of all we have a saint for thank you very much I looked at that first thank you so we have a saying we've used for many years in, in, in Argentina, and actually an old English saying, missions is done with the feet of those who go, the knees of those who stand, pray, and the hands of those who give. And we have a poster of it, and we've had this poster translated into 12 languages, I think, including Hindi. If you could go to the next one, the poster, right there. Missions is done with the feet of those who go, the knees of those who pray and stay, and the hands of those who give. I was recently in Kenya, and we have it in Swahili, and so I showed them in Swahili. So in Spanish, I actually like it better in Spanish than English. Misiones se hace con los pies de lo que van, las rodillas de lo que quedan en la mano de codan. I like it. Spanish has got punch, in English it's okay. But uh, so this saying we've been used for years. So this saying actually is, we see this saying reflected in Romans. If we go to the next slide, um, for a favorite salvation verse that we always uh, talk about is from um, Romans 10, 14 and 15. We'll look at that in one moment. But so that verse is reflecting Romans 10, 14 and 15. We'll look at that in a minute. And that is actually illustrated in John 3, 16. So for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That we see that verse. So that verse illustrates, we're going to look at how it illustrates, Romans, the next verse, Romans 14 and 15, 10, 14, 15, and how can they call on the one whom they have not believed in, and how can they believe in the one they have not heard, and how can they hear without someone preaching to them, and how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So in that verse, Paul, that's where we get the, 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 the term beautiful feet. So we take the liberty, and in that saying, on that poster, God raises, God just doesn't use beautiful feet to go. He uses beautiful knees and beautiful hands to send them, the senders. And uh, so that Paul is actually quoting Isaiah 52, 7. 
How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who they say design your God reigns. So Paul is quoting his Bible, the Old Testament, using that and quoting that verse as he declares how beautiful are the feet of them who bring good news. And so we have that concept of a goer and a sender in Romans 10, 14, and 15. So Pastor Cummings, when I was growing up, and other people over the years and would say, there has to be a goer and there has to be a sender. You either have a, another way they'd say it, everyone's called to missions. Either you're called to go or you're called to send. That's another old saying. You know, not a new saying. Either you're called to go or you're called to send. So as these things, you know, you heard, now we go to other countries and it's all new to them. Everybody's called to missions. You're either called to go or called to send. Well, for us, it's 50, 60 years old, but for them, it's brand new. So we have Romans 14 and 15 declaring this. So the first part of John 3, 16 is that God, so there's actually four little things in this little short verse that have to do with missions. We always look at it through salvation eyes. God saved us. God still loved the world. Sent his only son. Saved us. Let's look at admissions eyes. First of all, God loved the world. So there's a TV show on CBS on Monday nights. Bob loves Abishola, and they show this Bob Hart's Abishola. It's about a Detroit businessman who marries this Nigerian immigrant. And so that, they use that heart symbol, and we all have that heart symbol. And so God loves the world, and that is our, that is our first, the foundation of missions. We have to love the world. So the reason God sent his son is because he loved the world. And that's our challenge in any culture. And that's our challenge to keep the mission's flame going because we lose our love of the world. That's our challenge in other cultures because every country only, you know, we kind of love our own country, our own people. You could say my city, my church, my state, my country, but you don't say my world, it's the world. And if you ever say my world, you're not talking about the world. You're talking about my city, my state, my church, my, uh, uh, our team, my, uh, my team, my, ours, mine, 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 mine. And it's hard to love the world, but God loved the world. So I want to say, if you love the world, so a lot of Christians love the world. A lot of Christians love missions. They're not normal. They're supernaturally abnormal because it's not natural to love the world. So if you don't love the world, you're normal, but the Bible says he wants us to be a peculiar people. So our goal is to not be normal, but to be supernaturally abnormal, to march to a different drummer, to march to a different beat. So it's not natural to love the world. What's natural is to love my world. Uh, we have a two-year-old granddaughter. You know, it's just funny. You always, you know, you don't have to teach your kids to be selfish. You just, you don't have to teach your grand. I mean, just, it's incredible how it just comes with the package. And we're naturally selfish people. For us to love the world is because God has done a work in our lives and has changed us. It's not natural to love the world. So Jesus God so loved the world, and that's the first point of John 3.16. I would say one more slide. I, I used to have glasses my whole life, and then I got a bad cataract in one eye, and they said, you know, if both eyes had been like the one eye, if the other eye had been like the one, you might have waited 10 years, but this one got really bad real quick, so I had a cataracts last year, and so I, I, I flipped. I used to be able to 
see, read real close, and everything far away was fuzzy, and I just flipped it. Now I can see far away, and, and I have to have glasses to read up close. So, but, but a lot of us are, are, are nearsighted, not spiritually nearsighted. So what you mean by spiritually nearsighted is we can see everything what's close up, but we can't see far away because that's the way our vision is. So the Holy Spirit wants to put on corrective lenses to help us to see the world not through American eyes or human eyes or eyes, but God's eyes and to see far away. So John 3.16, the first point is God loved the world. The second point is Jesus was willing to go. So we oftentimes think Jesus, we just think, oh, Jesus came to earth. We never think, what if he didn't want to? We, cut, we talk in missions of culture shock. So culture shock is you go to another country and they, things are different and they're not as clean and you got... It's just not as clean. It's just different. You go through culture shock. But you can go through culture shock with somebody going from a small town to a big city. goes through culture shock. My dad used to go to Buenos Aires. He couldn't stand the traffic. He just said you could. He didn't like it. You go through culture shock. You go from a big city to a small town. You go through culture shock. You can go, you go, to, you can go to a few miles to here to a Hutterite community and, and, and be in that community saturated and try to, and you're going to go through culture shock. There's different cultures. And that's a term that anthropologists use. Well, the biggest culture shock in history was Jesus leaving a perfect heaven and coming to earth. Because he's in the perfect heaven. And yesterday at a memorial service, Pastor Steve Shiley talked about that beautiful heaven. Jesus was in a perfect place, and he comes to this contaminated, polluted planet, not polluted with, with pollution, but with with sin and contamination, comes here. That was the biggest culture shock in history. And God, you know, imagine Jesus saying, I don't want to go. So Jesus said in Luke 10 too, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send forth workers into his harvest field. Uh, we see in Philippians 2, that culture shock who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So they, they, God, they are mistreating Jesus or spitting in his face. Jesus could have said, God, I'm really good here. I don't want to go down to a planet where they're going to spit in my face. They're going to reject you through me, and they're going to eventually kill me. I'd rather stay here. Jesus was willing to go. And so you have to have, you have to have a goer. That's the whole point. You have to have a goer. Our Argentine missionaries, they love beef. They have some of the best beef in the world. My dad used to not believe that until we had him come down, and he ate one, and he didn't say anything because, you know, he, they have some, they have, so their, their land is so rich they don't have to corn feed them. They just put them out in the past, some of the richest land in the world, just about 800 square acres there in the middle of the, the, in the, middle of the Pampas and Argentina. It's just who knows why it's so rich there. And they, so Argentines love beef. So they go to India, and there's no beef, you know. And they, you go to another country, and 
so they go to other countries. The Argentines love to kiss on the cheek. They're very, they get that from Italy, and they're very, they're very affectionate. They go to another country. They're more formal. They go through culture shock. Jesus, again, the greatest difference of culture in the world. So if no one is willing to go, there's no eternal life, there's no salvation, there's no mission, someone has to be willing to go. So my, 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 I used to, I used to tease my mom so I can tell you, my mom used to always pray the Luke, we, t- we read Luke 10 too a moment ago, the harvest is great, the workers are few, and she'd always pray that prayer, but she prayed it low, she didn't pray it high, because she prayed it through her lens, who are, who are perspective. So she, God raised up more American missionaries. God raised up more American missionaries. So, that was, so she's not praying. She's not praying for Argentine missionaries to be called. And yet God begins to call Argentine missionaries the revival years ago. And in his mercy, because Argentina wasn't praying Luke 10.2. My mom's not praying Luke 10.2. No one's praying Luke 10.2 in favor of Argentina. And yet God begins to call these young people. And he he calls a 17-year-old girl, and then he calls a, later on, and he calls other people. And, and it was just a miracle. Every call of God was a miracle. And the call of God is what makes it all happen. But someone has to be willing to go. The next, the next point, that was the second. Third point, God was willing to send Jesus. Imagine if God had said to Jesus, stay here. Stay here. Imagine if God had said, no, you go down to earth and they're going to spit in your face and they're going to reject you and they're going to crucify you. Stay here. God had to be willing to send Jesus. So we come back to Romans 10, 14, and 15. And how will they go unless they are sent? That was our challenge in a country that didn't have a missions paradigm. They didn't have a missions vision. They didn't have a missions history. And God, in our revival, and by the way, today's Pentecost Sunday, and we often forget that or in the United States. In, the, over, over, in other countries, it's a really big deal, Pentecost Sunday. This is Pentecost Sunday, 50 days after Easter. And it's usually the end of May or early June, depending on when Easter is. So the Feast of Pentecost, which the Jews were celebrating, and where the baptism of the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost. That's why we call Pentecost Sunday and Pentecostals. And, but today's Pentecost Sunday, so I forgot to even say that in the beginning. But uh, the, our country, God was raising up people and but you have to have somebody willing to send them. And that was our challenge in a country that did not have that 100-year missions paradigm, 100-year missions history, uh, and, and, and they didn't understand. So here's this 17-year-old girl called to missions. She goes to her pastor. God's called me to mission. She said, well, you could never do that. We Argentines could never do that. That's something Americans and Europeans do. We could never do that. So we had to help them understand that sending call. The going call, the Holy Spirit had called people in spite of the fact that my mom's not praying for Argentine missionaries to be called. She's praying for Americans to be called. In spite of the fact that no one's praying Luke 10.2, and today Argentina, Argentina prays Luke 10.2 today. God raised up missionaries. And I said, don't make the same mistake America did. Pray that God would raise up African missionaries. Pray that God raise up Asian missionaries. Don't just pray for Argentine missionaries. Don't make the same mistake we did. But she, 
the church did not understand the call to sin. And that's where God had to help us to, to, to help them little by little. Because people always see this, always see this poster and they, and they say, was, was this a result of, was this a result of revival, the change? And I say, yes and no. The yes part is God called people through, to missions in the revival. But the no part is he never called the church to send them. The church had to be discipled, had to be taught. So there is another, there is another church, uh, another Pentecostal church. They also started from another denomination or it started from another country, the Swedes. Actually called themselves Assembly of God. In Argentina, the Union of the Assemblies of God is a word we work with. That American Canada started. Assemblies of God started by the Swedes. And, and their missions department is kind of like that. It's, so we realized like this was revival without discipleship. And you can, you've got to have the disciple, and we, God allowed us to help them to understand the call to sin. And that was our challenge, to have the beautiful knees and the beautiful hands to sin. Um, so we talk about beautiful, back, I'm sorry, I bumped up ahead. If we go, beautiful feet, needing the beautiful feet to go. And now go, the beautiful hands and the beautiful knees to send them. That's our challenge, to raise up those beautiful knees and those beautiful hands. Um, I want to talk for a minute about beautiful knees. Uh, Psalm 8:28 says, Ask of me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. So God is saying, Ask me of the nations. God is asking us to pray big, and so oftentimes we pray small, and we're saying, God, give me this, help me to have a car, help me to have this, help me to have this. And God says, Ask me of the nations. And we're asking God for stuff that's good and nice and fine, but God says, ask me of the nations. So when we ask God for the nations, our little stuff is also in the nations. We're, he cares about our stuff. He cares about that car for the person who needs a car. He cares about the house for the person who needs a house. But our, our stuff is in the nations. But our error is when we only focus low on our God, give me a car, help me to have this, help me to have that. God says, no, ask me the nations. So part of our challenge for missions is not just to intercede, not just to give money and offerings, but also to give our knees and to give our time and to pray. We're challenging our our. Uh, our believers in, in Latin America, well, actually all over the world, but if, if you pray two minutes, two minutes a day for missions, it's an hour a month. If you pray 15 minutes a week, it's an hour a month. Not for your stuff, but for the nations. And that's challenging people to be intercessors and, and pray for the nations because we need beautiful hands and beautiful knees to send the beautiful feet that God has called and that's our challenge, praying, praying, for, the, uh, praying for the nations. Um, I'm going to take a couple minutes to tell a story of a, of a Midwest, fellow Midwesterner uh, in our movement of how God used a, a, a retired missionary to change a nation. The country of Albania is the only atheistic, was the only atheistic country in the world for many years. Um, they were in their constitution and bylaws an atheistic country. And there was no missions work, no church. I'm sure there's a small underground church, but nothing going on there. Very, very closed nation. One of the most closed nations in the world, even though it was in Europe. 
the the uh, God was many of you might have heard of Kelvin Olson. He's retired. He was retired in the 90s. He's now passed away many years ago with the Lord. Uh, he was from Mil Wilmer, Minnesota. And God, he was retired after living in Bangladesh 35 years. And he's in 1990, he's retired in Minnesota. And God puts a bird. He'd been a person who'd done prayer and intercession, done 40-day fast several times in his life. So I, I, like to, I like to use the illustration. He was a major league intercessor. And uh, so I've never done, I've never done a 40-day fast. He was a major league intercessor. And God put a burden on his heart for Albania in 1990. And a group of students from North Central uh, University, North Central Bible College at that time, heard about this. They had a burden for Albania too. So back then they didn't have cell phones. They didn't have uh, internet and e email. So I suppose they just called from time to time on the old landline. But they, they, he was on a 90-day prayer and fasting journey. And they were worried about his health because he's already skinny and frail. And so Someone actually f drove up from Springfield to Missouri, our headquarters, and asked him to break the fast because they said, we're worried about your health. And as a good intercessor, he's submissive and humble. He broke the fast and did a juice and, and soup fast. Did a, he did a fast, and this, but not a complete fast because he, he submitted to his leadership because intercessors should be humble and, and submissive or, or they can also play with spiritual fire. So, in a bad way. And so, he was interceding 90 days. These students from North Central heard about it. They were praying, contact with each other. The last two weeks of his prayer and fast were so intense. And he, they, they actually wrote about it in a book on spiritual warfare from, that Peter Wagner wrote before he passed away a number of years ago. And because Kelvin Olson was such a humble man... They interviewed him for the book, and he said, I'm sure there was lots of other people interceding in the world for this. I'm sure I wasn't the only one. Very humble man. And the last two weeks of that prayer, of that fast was so intense, and he just shut himself off for two weeks in, in prayer, and, and he just could sense uh, the this, this spiritual oppression and, as he was wrestling with the principalities and spirits of that country miles away, hundreds of thousands of miles away. And finally, after 90 days, the Holy Spirit said, it's done. You, the battle's been won. He said, okay. Went back to nor semi-normal life. He's a very spiritual man. And about two or three months later, the government of Albania falls. The, 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 the communist, it was government falls. Missionaries were in the ground immediately. Immediately went in, in from all over the world. And... and Today, the Assemblies of God of Albania, it's a small, they don't have, it's not a large group, but they have about 30 churches. They've actually sent their first missionary to Macedonia. Their missions director was with us a week ago in Minnesota. And uh, they, they are, it's the church, you can preach the gospel and the churches are growing. The, Albania went over to Italy and said, because we're neighbors, help us. Italy's a strong church, telling the Assemblies of God a strong church. And, and they said, help us, send a missionary to us. Italy's first missionaries to Albania, and the gospel is preached in that nation, but not because of strength, but because of, of weakness. So we come back. I tell people, everybody's not a major league intercessor, but everybody can enjoy summer softball. Everybody can pray and intercede. We can pray a few minutes a day or a few minutes a week, not just for our stuff, but for the nations. And that's part of 
are sending the missionaries. And then we have hands that give. Uh, so a simple verse that's very unusual for giving that do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and prove what God's will is, his pleasing, good, perfect, and pleasing will. So our challenge is to have hands that give conformed and not transformed. Just transformed says we allow the world to squeeze us into its mold. And the, the mold is a tough mold. You, you watch the news all, and, we, and we have, the world is squeezing us all the time and things are bad and this is terrible and that's bad. And, and they probably are. But as we sang this morning, we, we have a peace that goes beyond all those things. And the main thing, the point is that we don't give conform to the pattern of this world, but we give because of a transformed mind. And that's how we, in, in, in Argentina, they have a horrible, we have a bill on my desk. It was worth $100 in, in 2000, and today it's worth um, about 20, 30 cents. It's a country. They've had to learn to not give conformed, but transformed. And because of them doing that, they've been able to give millions of dollars over the years and over a million dollars in some years, and not because they're conformed to the pattern of this world, but they're transformed. And so we go to other countries and challenge them. Don't look at God is calling you, not because God is calling you missions, because you're the church. America didn't do missions because she was rich. America did missions because she was the church. God is calling you to missions because you're the church. And they say, we can't do it. No, no, let's not be conformed. Let's be transformed. And then they say, yes, we can do it. And God begins to use them and see them to go give to the nation. So that challenge of not responding, conformed, but transformed. Come back to this. God sent the best he had. He gave the best he had. And the final point of John 3.16, eternal life, fruit. Someone was willing to go. Someone was willing to send. Next slide we'll have... Um, One more, next slide, sorry. Someone was willing to go, someone was willing to send, and the result is eternal life. We have amazing churches around the world. We have churches of a million believers in countries. Of we, we, some of us God have 25 times more people outside the country than we have inside the country. And it's because... Fruit, eternal life, harvest, results, testimonies, and growth, and all those things. And because someone is willing to go, someone is willing to send. But first of all, God loved the world. And the result is fruit and eternal life, an impact on many nations. And uh, I think I'm done with the slides, so we can close that part. The whole point of it is, John 3.16 is not just about salvation. We look at it from a missional perspective. God loved the world. Jesus was willing to go. God was willing to send him. And the result is eternal life, churches planted, people being touched, ministries around the world because there is a love for the world, a goer, and a sender. And the result is fruit, eternal life. So I, as we close today, I just want to challenge us to Let's, if you want to stand with me for a moment and 
let's pray that God would raise up beautiful feet and raise up beautiful knees and hands. A goer and a sender, just as he's done for many years, but not just here, to also do that in other countries. And, but let's also pray that he'll do it again here. So, Lord, we know that there are people in, uh, young people in this building in another part, and there's young people. And, Lord, we, if you could raise, if you could call a five-year-old girl in Argentina years ago that did not understand what you were, did not understand, the, did not have a history to build on, and yet you could call her and take her to Africa where she is today. You can call new five-year-olds, and you can call 17-year-olds, and you can call 37-year-olds. Lord, we pray that you keep calling forth beautiful feet from the United States, from Restoration Church, from South Dakota, from the United States. But we also pray, dear Lord, for beautiful feet from Nigeria and beautiful feet from Ghana, beautiful feet from Kenya. Lord, we pray for Asian beautiful feet. We pray, dear Lord, for beautiful feet from uh, uh, the Philippines and other places. Lord, you can raise up beautiful uh, uh, Asian feet from here in South Dakota that some of these churches around and call a young person and take them to the nations. So we pray that you would raise up beautiful feet to go. And, and raise up a new generation. Touch the five-year-olds and touch the 17-year-olds and touch those. Raise up a new generation of beautiful feet. And we pray that you raise up the beautiful hands and knees to send them. We pray for a new generation of senders. Thank you for the faithful people of God. Yesterday we celebrated people who had given to missions all their lives, and that was important. But, Lord, you need... I know you want to raise up new people to take their place and people that would be faithful. So we praise for beautiful senders, beautiful hands, and beautiful uh, uh, knees. We pray that people would not just give their offerings. We pray for their, they'd give their time to intercede for the nations, to give their knees. So, Lord, we pray for beautiful knees and beautiful hands. And then, Lord, we do thank you for the harvest that is going to take place. We thank you for that illustration of the 20th uh, of the in Matthew 20 of the 11th hour harvest we thank you for the faithfulness of a hundred years of of America and, and 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 Sweden and Canada but you are raising up other countries to come alongside not to take our place but to join us in the harvest field because there's that 50 percent of the world the the unreached people groups, the Hindu groups and the Hind and the Buddhist groups and the Muslim groups that still have not been have not been take have not seen the gospel take those countries and become a, a normal church to become a church to become a, a force in that country and to and to penetrate the country with your gospel and your word so dear lord we pray for that fruit to take place and we pray for the new senders that you're raising up as well of the historical ones and thank you dear lord for both that are in the they're in the harvest field together and you're bringing that together for this final harvest. And then you tell us you're going to pay us all the same wage. Thank you, Lord. The newcomers are going to be paid the same as the, as the ones who've been laboring all day, but because you pay us perfect according to your will, we are all going to see the reward that you have for us. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brad. We so appreciate the years of partnership that we've had with Brad and Rhonda. And uh, 
Before you leave today, I just want to remind you out at the, the back and the tables that are back there, uh, an opportunity if you want to partner with the walls in the ministry that they're doing, uh, you can put offerings in that basket that's there on the table. If you want to give through the online service, just choose the guest speaker, or you can text 84321 and then the dollar sign amount and guest speaker, and that will go towards them. But also, for those of you that are regulars here at Restoration Church, there's a table with these back there. If you've not yet made a faith promise, or if you want to take one to prepare for next week, next week is our Global Outreach Sunday, and we're going to start talking about faith promises again, and we're going to talk about that through the month of June, and some different ways that, uh, yeah, so... Anyway, stop by the table back there and uh, grab one of those before you go. And so thanks for being here today. God bless you as you go.